This is Roaring Light, your daily dose of faith, news, and community happenings from the staff of News Source One Mikiana, coupled with Christian independent artist music from Roaring Light Radio. So let's get ready to praise the Lord and smile the day away. The news is next. The Public News Service Daily Newscast, November the 3rd, 2022. I'm Mike Clifford. So far, more than 375,000 ballots have been accepted in Minnesota's early voting window ahead of next Tuesday's election. Minnesota Secretary of State Steve Simon says absentee ballots must arrive no later than Election Day. He says usually a mail delivery period of at least one week will ensure that deadline is met. But with that time frame shrinking, he suggests this strategy. Just in an abundance of caution, our advice is that at this point, probably best to just hand deliver it to your local elections office. You can either go inside wherever that place is at a county or city. A number of them have drop boxes somewhere on the premises. A list of drop boxes around the state can be found on the Secretary of State's website. I'm Mike Moen. In other states, there have been reports of armed individuals taking it upon themselves to monitor drop box sites. But Secretary Simon notes Minnesota has laws about polling place access and conduct designed to thwart such activity. Now to Arkansas, where early voting is underway, but thousands of people there won't be able to vote in the midterms due to a past felony conviction. More on that now from Daniel Smith. Research by the Sentencing Project says tens of thousands of Arkansans are among the 4.6 million Americans with felony convictions who are denied voting rights. Nicole D. Porter with the Sentencing Project says that's one in every 50 adults. And in Arkansas, she says over 8% of those who can't vote are African Americans who are on parole or probation. The total number of people disenfranchised in Arkansas just number over 81,000, so the total number is 81,658 individuals with felony convictions will be disenfranchised during the midterm election this year. Under Arkansas law, you lose your voting rights when you are convicted of a felony. But voting rights can be restored once a person completes their sentence, including any prison term, probation and parole, and pay off any related fines, fees and restitution amounts. And NBC News reports President Biden Wednesday said the midterms are a defining moment for democracy as threats of political violence and voter intimidation loom over the upcoming elections. NBC reports in closing remarks days before the midterms, Biden again called election deniers an existential threat to democracy, tying the January 6th insurrection to last week's attack on Paul Pelosi. Prosecutors have said the alleged attacker was looking for House Speaker Pelosi when he attacked her husband with a hammer. The president also made the case to voters that the election, which is less than a week away, will be crucial to preserving the nation's democratic values in the long term. This is PNS. And with the election approaching, the Biden administration has announced millions in grants Wednesday to diversify the meat processing industry, an effort to improve competition, help livestock producers, and bring down consumer prices. It follows a push for more antitrust efforts made by a group of state attorneys general, including California AG Rob Bonta, who wrote the USDA last December. Bonnie Haugen is a Minnesota dairy farmer and member of the Land Stewardship Project. She says state AGs can make a big dent in the problem. They can look at companies that have too much power or are charging people wrong. 
And it's important to have a state attorney that's willing to not just look at stuff, but actually follow through and do something rather than turn and look the other way. I'm Suzanne Potter. Data from the U.S. Department of Agriculture says as of last year, this country had more than 2 million farms. That is down from 2.2 million in 2007. The number of Louisiana families with kids reporting they sometimes or often did not get enough to eat in the previous week has increased by 48% in the past year. But advocates for those families say there is a proven solution to the crisis. The child tax credit helped more than 880,000 families in the Bayou State as they struggled through the pandemic. Many were able to catch up on rent. Others purchased new clothing or school supplies. Pascal Wynn of Youngsville is a mother of seven school-aged children. She says with her husband unemployed at the time, they use the monthly payments to help feed the family. Also to help with some of our utilities and as well as putting our son in like a high-quality child care. Census data shows when families were receiving the monthly payments of a few hundred dollars a month, nearly four million children were lifted out of poverty. I'm Catherine Carley reporting. Finally, Eric Tanoff lets us know a proposed mining operation in central Idaho is raising concerns about possible damage to nearby fish and wildlife habitat. The U.S. Forest Service has released a supplemental draft environmental impact statement for the Stibnite Gold Project, an open pit mine in the headwaters of the East Fork of the South Fork Salmon River near McCall. John Robinson with the Idaho Conservation League says the area was mined for decades and was starting to bounce back from those environmental effects. But his and other conservation groups are concerned this new project will be a step backward. Even though the mining company is pitching this as a restoration project, at its heart it remains an open pit cyanide vat leach mine. Perpetual Resources, the company behind the project, said in a statement that it's providing hundreds of family wage jobs for Idahoans. This is Mike Clifford for Public News Service on a great radio stations, your favorite podcast platform, and find our trust indicators at publicnewsservice.org. How are you doing? We are excited you are listening to today's show. Tomorrow we will play Jim Worthing's Christmas Tracks. Tonight, Miss Sylvia returns with another podcast of Mikiana 101. Take a listen. Well, let's head to the weather. Thursday, sunny with a high near 71. South wind 5 to 10 miles per hour with gusts as high as 20 miles per hour. Thursday night, partly cloudy with a low around 55. South wind 10 to 15 miles per hour with gusts as high as 25 miles per hour. Friday, a 20% chance of rain. Mostly cloudy with a high near 71. South wind 10 to 15 miles per hour. I build walls around this heart of mine. Thinking strength was made by hiding all my flaws But I learned that if I let him in He would take the pain and mend my aching heart 
Blood transfusion makes the thunder clap. Carry the wood like a lumberjack. Gotta be about my father's business till the sun be coming back. So rise up out of complacency. Get up out of the comfort zone. Left, right, left. Gotta be in step in time when the saints go marching on. No more milk. Ready for the meat. Took a little break. Ready for the beat. No surrender. No retreat. Gotta get up in the street. Gotta hit it with the heat. Community united as one. Church is shining in the light of the sun. Jesus' name it will never be the same. Ignite the flame and invite them to come. Army that is rising up. Dry bones they will live again. No, we're giving in to the sin we in. Mercy is new. We begin again. Judgment starts at the house of God. You can bet it's about to be shaking. The enemy flees when we fall on our knees and we humbly pray and forgot to awaken. Wait, and I'm about to break out of these chains because there's just too much at stake. Eyes on the Messiah, holy fire, earth shake. There's still only when you're always thinking be safe Follow me rising up out of the cold blue, cold blue This nation is unresponsive We trust in faith, we must have made Resuscitate the conscience Government extortion, now some celebrate abortion Preaching the feel good gospel And it's nothing but distortion Where my soldiers at? The ones that won't water it down Snatch your souls from the flames The lost got to be found Whatever it takes to ever stay We're leading with love and never with hate The sun will come out, the weather will break We sever the snake, together we're away and forgiveness and mercy we've never, never known never No know. matter who's in the government We know they got it still up on the throne This is a call to every family Yet I pray y'all understand and me We fight for all humanity It's Christ that makes them mad at me We all bleed the same, we need to plead the name Christ died and rose again and the freedom came With the seasons change and the flowers fade With the word of the Lord will the remain If my people seek my face Turn from sin and begin to pray I will heal their land and forget this sin Lord count me in cause I wanna be away Wait, and I'm about to break out of these chains, cause there's just too much at stake. Eyes on the Messiah, holy fire, earth shake. There's still only when they always think it be saved. Follow me, rising up out of the grave. Awake, and I'm about to break. Out of these chains, cause there's just too much at stake. Eyes on the Messiah, holy fire, earth shake. There's still only when they always make it be saved. Follow me, rising up out of the grave. Awake.
I'm Pastor Joel of Heart City Church, and it is an interesting time to be tasked with sharing the greatest rescue mission in human history. What's that, Joel? God sent his son Jesus to save people from their sins and shame so they might become new creations and enjoy God for all of eternity. Yes, eternity is at stake, and love for God and neighbor compels me to share that truth. But here's the thing that makes it interesting. Love and truth are understood quite differently in our culture. I mean, what do we do when folks believe truth is relative? You have your truth, I have my truth. What do we do when love is understood as a feeling or emotion instead of active commitment? More, love and truth are at odds in Christian circles. You have those who don't love well in their zeal to cram the truth down people's throats, and you have those who fudge the truth in order to appear loving to others. Friends, both of these are strategies that Satan is using to deceive us and to divide us. Yes, Jesus does commend the church in Ephesus for doctrinal purity and fighting against false teachers, but then he warns them for forsaking the love they had at first and promises to remove their lampstand if they do not repent. Revelation 2, 1-7. Love matters. But at the end of the chapter, our Lord Jesus, he's commending the church in Thyatira for their deeds of love and faith, how they're even doing more than before. But then Jesus warns them for having tolerated false teaching that leads folks into sexual immorality and idolatry. And Jesus promises great suffering if they do not repent. Revelation 2, 18 to 29. Truth matters. So what do we do? Lean towards truth? Strap on our theological brass knuckles, ever ready to overpower others, and in doing so become holy huddles whose light stand is going to be snuffed out. I've actually met folks in churches like this. Listen to how John Stott describes them. When they think they smell heresy, their noses begin to twitch, their muscles ripple, and the light of battle enters their eye. They seem to enjoy nothing more than a fight. Ever been around a person obsessed with right doctrine? They'll give you point after point, points about this, points about that. Oh, and here's another point. You know what they're like? Porcupines. Full of so many points you dare not get close or rile them up. So do we then lean towards love? There are so many churches all around that don't stand on truth because it might offend people. Folks, they know what God says, but they affirm everyone like a doctor who refuses to tell a person they have cancer. 
for fear they might make them feel bad. And then these people end up suffering a far worse fate, as Jesus promised. That's not right either. Listen to Ephesians 4, verses 15 and 16, where Paul, the Apostle Paul, right after speaking about the dangers of leaving the truth and entering into error, he tells us truth and love are not at odds. Listen, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now I want to note there is no verb speaking here at the start. You could translate this truthing in love. What Paul is saying is that we certainly need to be speaking the gospel truth, but without that verb, it actually means more than that. It is more than what we say. It is how we live and doing it lovingly. We must be ready to defend the truth, but we can never be lacking in love. I can live with folks saying, I won't go to Heart City Church because they refuse to budge from the truth. So long as those same folks also say, but they sure loved us when we came. That is what I want our witness to be to the world. Heart City, we must stay this course, truthing in love. We must not have heads without hearts. We must not have hearts without heads. Stott says, truth becomes hard if it's not softened by love. Love becomes soft if it is not strengthened by truth. And when we do this, when we're pouring into one another the gospel truth by word and deed and living lives of love, we will see ourselves being equipped and growing. And I'll close with a remark about why Paul uses the imagery of the body. See, Paul knows that when you hurt a Christian, Jesus feels that pain acutely. Jesus is that connected to his people as their head. And if Jesus feels pain when his body is hurting, guess what? Jesus also feels comfort, joy, and happiness when each part of his body is working properly. In fact, would you believe it? More comfort, joy, and happiness than we do. Thomas Goodwin, one of the saints of old, wrote, The glory and happiness of Christ are enlarged and increased still. As his members come to have that purchase of his death more and more laid upon them, so as when their sins are pardoned, their hearts more sanctified, and their spirits comforted, then comes he to see the fruit of his labor, and is comforted thereby. For he is the more glorified by it. Yea, he is much more pleased and rejoiced in this than they themselves can be. I know he's an old Puritan. Translation, when we pour the gospel truth into one another in love, we are comforted and built up and rejoice in this grace, but we're not alone in the blessing of the grace given. The one we love, our Lord Jesus, is blessed. Jesus' happiness and ours rise and fall as one. How about that? Joy for all, except in the case of the enemy of our soul. So let's be truthing in love, my friend. Remember who you are and who you belong to. For the Daily Yonder and Public News Service, this is the news from rural America.
In a perfect world, everyone would have equal access to health care. But when the Daily Yonder and three other nonprofit news organizations looked at health equity in three rural locations, they found large disparities. The top-tier concerns were lack of access to mental and behavioral issues and maternity care. We are talking about the future of rural. You've got to be able to have a community in which young families can move to, live there, and have access to health care to start their families off. Ellen Morgan with the National Rural Health Association says only 9% of America's clinicians practice in rural areas, which includes almost 20% of the population. Telehealth is one solution, but that alone doesn't solve the problem. Maiwa Kwong, who leads the Center for Connected Health Policy, says it requires broadband connectivity and advanced technology. Which could be something as simple as a smartphone or a laptop. But not everybody has access to those types of devices, or are they comfortable in using it? New money from the bipartisan infrastructure law can help rural communities repair bridges, roads, and water systems. The Inflation Reduction Act can also help them prepare for increased weather-related disasters. But getting that money isn't easy. Xander Brown explains. Rural communities are often ground zero for climate change. And that's where the nation's transition to renewable energy will likely take place according to the Center for American Progress's Mark Haggerty. To help smaller communities navigate the grant process, the center's reports suggest building ongoing federal staff capacity. There's a tremendous amount of money and resources that are available, and we want to make sure that it's reaching the places that need it most and where it can do the most good. Researchers concluded decision-makers can help rural areas compete more effectively for national grants by including smaller and appropriately designed projects and their eligibility requirements. A lot of times you need to have a project completely scoped and shovel-ready, and that's a big ask for rural communities. The center's research outlines how the Federal Emergency Management Agency attempted to address this issue over the last couple years through the Building Resilient Infrastructure and Communities Program, but 80% of that $1.5 billion still went to wealthier and more populated states. I'm Xander Brown. America's hyperpartisan politics have led to an enormous divide in recent years. Gannon University political history professor Jeffrey Bloodworth says rural voters need to know politicians truly understand what they've been going through. These communities have just been devastated because of deindustrialization and automation. Some industry shouldn't be globalized and offshored. He believes successful politicians need a clear vision of what makes rural America thrive. For the Daily Yonder and Public News Service, I'm Roz Brown. For more rural stories, visit dailyyonder.com. With FSN Spotlight, I'm Simon Marks, with more today on the outcome of Israel's election and Benjamin Netanyahu's efforts to form a new coalition government with other right-wing parties. What will his return to power presage for Israel's relationship with the United States, led as it is now by President Joe Biden, hardly Mr Netanyahu's political soulmate? Elad Simkayov is a UK-based correspondent for Channel 12 in Israel. I think it will be much dif- much more difficult for, for Benjamin Netanyahu dealing with uh, a liberal Democrat uh, American president. We saw his, his uh, clashing with Obama, which is very close to um, uh, President Biden. And n- now even more so than before, because if you look at the potential coalition, it will be much more right-wing, extremist, uh, ultra-orthodox. He will have a partner named Itamar Ben-Gvir. And he's very right-wing, extremist. Uh, so this coalition will be a lot 
harder for the American Democrats and even for, for European to deal with. I think Benjamin Netanyahu knows that. He argues it's a measure of how far to the right Israeli politics may be about to turn, that in the upcoming coalition, Benjamin Netanyahu could be the most left-leaning member, which of course in and of itself torpedoes any hopes of settlement negotiations with the Palestinians and will indeed have impacts for Israel on the global stage. With FSN Spotlight, I'm Simon Marks. A Texas ministry delivers 225,000 Bibles to North Macedonia, where they can't access scripture in their language. This is truth itself. Founded in 1961, Eastern European Missions prints and distributes free Bibles to Eastern Europe and surrounding nations, delivering them to youth camps, schools, refugee centers, and other places in need of the Holy Scripture. The organization began when a small group of missionaries started sneaking Bibles into the former Soviet Union and has continued providing access to Scripture in seemingly unreachable places. EEM recently delivered over 225,000 children's Bibles to North Macedonia after the nation's government, having heard about EEM's work, gave the group permission to deliver Bibles in the region. The group's Bibles for Kids fundraising campaign made the donation possible. The government heard that EEM delivered 650,000 Bibles to public schools in Croatia last year, with the Bibles carried to the schools via nine semi-trailer trucks. EEM President Bob Burkle told the Christian Post that when the organization began, the team was lucky if they could deliver a few hundred to a couple of thousand Bibles a year. But within the last few years, the group has grown and delivered 1.5 million Bibles in over 20 languages to more than 30 countries last year. Burkle said most of the group's funding comes from individuals and churches. Around 1,000 churches in the United States currently support the group's mission. Timothy Kroll from the Helios Projects says we've been called to train 3,000 untrained pastors around the world who have absolutely no Bible or theology training due to the fact they can't afford it. He said so far we have less than 1,000 still waiting for training this year. Pray that we reach this goal. At trainapastor.com, $150 trains three pastors. That's trainapastor.com. You can see these stories and more on our website, truthitself.com. Truth Itself, news that impacts your faith, family, and country. Bees like playing with balls, study finds. This is breakingnewsenglish.com. Everyone knows that bees are busy. There is even a saying in English that one can be as busy as a bee. However, little is known about how bees play. Scientists have discovered one way that bees could relax after a busy day making honey. They play with balls. The scientists are from Queen Mary University of London. They did different tests on bees playing with different things. The insects particularly liked playing with small wooden balls. The researchers said the way bees played was a little like how humans play. Younger bees rolled more balls than older bees, while adult males spent longer playing with balls than adult females. The ball-rolling bees are the first known insects to play. The researchers experimented on 45 bumblebees in a specially designed test area. The bees were given two options. The first choice was to fly or walk directly to get a sugary treat. The second choice was to get to the treat by going around different coloured wooden balls. 
most of the bees decided to play with the balls and then get their treat. A researcher said the experiments showed that bees are more thoughtful than people believed. She said, Bees are a million miles from the mindless, unfeeling creatures they are traditionally believed to be. She added that this research provides a strong indication that insect minds are far more sophisticated than we might imagine. Beautiful as all this is, it's, it's nothing compared to how we see it. 